thought process. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Then we're going to skip over to verse 29 and 30. It says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches and he has no power over me. What a way to end it. What a promise. The world has no power over me. I love the ending to that. I do. I absolutely love it. Well, I'm just going to ask the Lord to be in our, our service here, be in this uh, message. Father, I just love you. I thank you, God, for this time with your people. Lord, I pray today that I would be an empty vessel, Lord, and that you would use me to speak your words. Lord, I pray that we would hear your assurances today, Lord, that we would hear your promises, that we would hear your heart today, God. And Lord, it would cause us to not be afraid. It would cause us not to be troubled. And we thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Amen. So how many of you um, love memes on Facebook? Come on, be honest, you're guilty, right? We all love these crazy sayings. I recently came across a meme. And um, it was posted by a friend of ours. Um, uh, their daughter posted it. And it says, my life is like a dumpster fire. Some of you are already saying, Kelly, do not say fire when you preach. Last, the first time I preached here, we had fire. Uh, I will be honest with you, there was a small part of me that wanted to bring a small trash can in here and light a fire, but we, I did not, uh, hence I want to come back and preach again. Uh, so, but I read my, my friend's dumpster, uh, you know, their, their, their meme on, on dumpster fire, and I laughed. I thought, well, that's kind of funny. I, you know, I get my picture of my waste management dumpster up in flames, and I'm, I'm laughing, and she says, it says, my life is a, like a dumpster fire. And then I kind of chalked it up to angsty youth. Right? That's still a thing, right? I know that was in the 90s, but I'm pretty sure teenagers are still teenagers, and they're still angsty. Well, that's just angsty youth. And then all of a sudden, i got to be honest with you, I got sad. I got really sad. I got, like, super, super sad. And then I began to look around at the world around me. And I began to see this was not a one-off. <laughs> that more and more and more people are hollering out, my life is like a dumpster fire. And that speaks to me a, a world of no hope. A world of no hope. It's like <laughs> there's this bleakness that surrounds the world. If you turn on your computer, if you turn on your television, if you open your phone, it's bleak. This week it's about war, and I'm not, I'm not trivializing that. It's about war. Last week it was about the planet. The week before it was something else. And we're just surrounded with the bleakness, this, this bleakness. Media just shouts it from the rooftops. Let me tell you about the best news I found on Yahoo this week. It said, I do not have to wash my jeans anymore. I was like, dude, sweet, I don't have to wash my Levi's anymore. You know why I don't have to wash my Levi's anymore? Because I'm using up all the world's water. That was their good news. I don't have to wash my jeans because uh, otherwise I'm going to use up all of the world's water. I was pretty excited for my checkbook for about two seconds. And then I was like, 
I'm not wearing dirty jeans around here. This is not the 90s. Nirvana is still not the craze. No. Our jobs, guys, our jobs are full of negativity. How many of you walked into your jobs in the past two weeks and you've heard, those of you who aren't retired, but you've heard it from us, there's not enough workers. There's not enough, there's not enough money. The overhead's too high. Where's the goodness, right? Where's, where's the assurances? Marriages, I looked this up this week. Marriages in the United States today are ending at an all-time high. Now, this doesn't surprise you. You've heard this number, but 50% of every marriage right now, every marriage that is recorded in the United States will end in divorce. 50% will end in divorce. Addictions. Addictions are at an all-time high. People feel hopeless and alone more than ever. I don't know. Anybody identify with that? No, you don't have to raise your hand. I'm going to tell you a story about I was listening to um, a pastor that, that we went to church there for a long time, and he told the story of during the beginning of the pan pandemic, and they were in Texas, and they were adhering to the no assembly policy. You know, they were doing their worship team. They were doing online services. And, of course, they had everything shut off. And as the pastor turned around, and this is a massive church. It holds 3,000 people. He turns around, and he sees this little old man open the door. And he thinks to himself, I have to go talk to him and tell him we're not open. Because that's what the law says. And as he, as he gets close to the old man, the old man puts his hands up and says, please, pastor, wait. Don't make me leave. I'm so alone. I'm so alone. I just want to be near somebody. I just want to know that somebody's there. And I know that's a heavy story, but how many of us can identify with that? We just want to know that somebody's there. We just want to know that there's a champion out there. We want to know, we want our own personal Hulk Hogan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference my 80s wrestling, I'm sorry, child of the 80s. We want to know that Hulk Hogan stands tall and that he pins King Kong Bundy and on the ground, right? That's what we want. We want these promises. We want all of this. We want this champion. But today, in our text, and you're all going, where are you going with this? That's exactly what Jesus is. That is exactly what Jesus is, is assuring his disciples. His disciples of that time and from the time to come. Because he's getting ready to tell them, it's about to get hot. It's about to get a little warm in here. He's telling you, it's about to be a little bit of a dumpster fire. That's the truth. That's what Jesus says in all that. So, how many points do I preach? Three. Ed, thanks. I appreciate Ed putting up his fingers there. I preach three. I always preach three points. And so our first point, if you're a note taker today, is this. This is Jesus' first promises out of our scripture today. Jesus has a place for us, even when we don't feel like we belong. When we're the little old man just opening the door. Jesus says, I have a place for you. That's exactly what it is. The, the word here says, when we open it up, it just says, Jesus sensed that his disciples' hearts were troubled. They were shook up, guys. He perceived that they were starting to feel abandoned. Because remember, just a few verses before, he's began to tell them, I'm leaving. 
I'm going to the cross. We see Peter say, why can't I come with you? I'll go anywhere with you, Lord. He didn't even make it into the, past the courtyard, right? And then he couldn't even stay. He knows they're about to, to feel completely abandoned. And we get this picture of the disciples. They're unforsure. All based by this troubled. Anybody here feel troubled at times? Huh? Anybody feel like the disciples at this point? You feel troubled because you don't know where you belong? That's how the disciples were. The Jewish Pharisees, Sadducees, they were turning them away because they were believing the opposite. The people weren't accepting them. The Romans hated them. They had no place to go. But Jesus even assured them of that. Mark's, in uh, Mark 6.4, Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his family. He's, he tells them, your people are going to reject you. They're going to hate you. They're going to put you out. And this is what these disciples are feeling. You're going away, Jesus. Where's my place? Where do I go? What do I do? To just sum it up, to sum it up, he's, where do we belong? I know a lot of us feel that way. We wonder where we fit into the world. Where's my place? Where, do, where, where am I at? Where, where do I fit in my job? Where do I fit in the church? Where do I fit at home? Where do I fit in society? The world is full of transient people who move around continually. Anybody else ever notice that? Let me give you guys some statistics here. The average person in America moves, moves their home, physically uproots, if you've ever done this before. It's not fun, right? They pack a truck. They put all their things in boxes. And they go to another location. Do you know how many times they do that? The average American. 11.4 times. We'll move 11.4 times. Wow. So let me ask you this. The average person, how many times do you think they'll change jobs? 12 times. The average person will change 12 times their job. That translates out to the average worker staying in one place, get this, 4.1 years in the same place of employment. Can you imagine that? Some of my retirees out there, can you imagine 4.1 years only in the same place? So let me give you some thoughts here. I thought I was a loyal person, and I thought, that, that just shocked me. But you know how many times Heidi and I have moved? We're four, I'm 46. Heidi, I won't tell how old she is. She is younger than I am and much prettier than me. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Heidi and I have moved. I counted it up this morning. We've moved nine times. Physically moved nine times. We have pulled up stakes, moved from one physical location to another. I have had seven different jobs. And I thought I was a really loyal guy. I thought, man, this is pretty. This, I am really. And then I started thinking, man, I fit every single one of these molds. I'm planning to keep it at only nine moves, just so those of you who know. <laughs> I do not want to pull up stakes a tenth time. But how in the world is the person supposed to find their belonging in that? How do you find your belonging in that? This is the question that troubled the disciples. 
Where did they fit in if Jesus was no longer physically beside them? If he wasn't leading them from town to town, if he wasn't teaching them, if he wasn't procuring the place for them to stay, what are they going to do? But Jesus, he gives them this, this hope for their future and that there was enough room. Notice how he said that. That was very pointing to what was troubling them. There's enough room for them in his father's house, in the kingdom. He just assures them, I'm going to make your place. And that's what he's telling you today. I'm making your place. I'm making your heavenly place. Some of you are going, yeah, but I still feel this way. But let me tell you, let me give you some principles here. Jesus is already, he's starting to turn their thoughts from the earthly to the heavenly. First, knowing that if it's settled in heaven, if your place is settled in heaven, your place on earth is settled. How many of you remember Reaganomics? Trickle-down economics. Pretty good system when you take out the greedy people. Right? But let's think about it. We're talking about trickle-down from heaven managed by the humblest of saviors, by the king of the universe. And he says, what's settled here, your place is settled. You have a home in me. You have a home in my father's house. And that translates straight down to heaven, straight down to earth from heaven. But then he says, you don't even have to, he gives them this assurance that there is a home on earth, that you don't even have to wait for that. He says, in John 14, 23, 24, I should have it up there. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come. I want you to catch this. We will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What, am I what I'm telling you is the Father who sent me. So Jesus is already putting the stamp, the guarantee. But there's a really important word in this. It's the word come in this moment because it's a present tense verb. He's not, 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 not in the future. He says, I will come and the Father and I will make our home. He puts a stamp on it with his Father's guarantee. He says, I'll come now. That's not come in the future. I will come now and make my home in your heart. Not just me, my father. So now he's saying, I got, I, got you, I got your guarantee right here. I'm not even standing in my own authority. I'm standing in my father's authority. This is assuring these disciples. It's assuring us. And he tells them, guys, not only that, he says, don't get worried about overcrowding. Wendy was telling me that she had the opportunity the other day to sell her airplane flight because they overbooked her airplane seat. Let me tell you, Jesus says, I'm not overbooking any seats. I'm not overbooking any rooms. He says, I've got plenty of rooms. More than you can fill. There's room in my kingdom. Some of you are saying, I don't know where I fit. Let me tell you, you fit in his kingdom because there's plenty of room for you. There's no magic number that says the vacancy ends here. Jesus says, I got room if you want to be with me. If you listen to me and you obey me and you hear my voice, there's room for you. That's good stuff. That's good preaching. I'm excited. Jesus gives us a second guarantee. So if you're looking, you're making points, he gives you a second guarantee. Jesus has not left you alone. You are not an island unto yourself. Now that's a hard one. A lot of us. How many of you ever feel alone? Yeah? I tell you, 
I am, I am not good by myself. Just so you know, I'm going to tell on myself. I worked nights for a lot of years. A lot of my, our, our start of our marriage, we worked, I worked a lot of nights, second shift, into third shift, a lot of third shifts. And <clears throat> I absolutely hate to be without Heidi. I stink at being alone. I don't like to cook. I cook fine. I don't like to cook. I don't like the silence. I don't like any of it, being alone. I hate it. It's probably why I have three beagles. I hate <laughs> being alone. And three cats, so you do the math. I'm not alone very often. But Jesus, he gave a promise and foremost in there that he says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you an advocate. That's good stuff. Let me give you the definition of what an advocate is. It is one who pleads the cause of another. Pleads the cause of another. One who defends or maintains a cause or a proposal. One who supports or promotes the interest of a cause or a group. How many people does that sound like somebody you'd like to have in your life? Somebody who protects you. Somebody who promotes you. Somebody who, who validates you. Anybody else want that in their life? Let me tell you, here's a few things we can learn, some truths that we can learn about our advocate, the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus promises that says, you will not be alone because I'm going to leave him here for you. So let me give you some of his characteristics just listed in our, in our, in our scripture today. Verse 16 says that he will never leave us. We won't be alone. My biggest fear, being alone. According to this, because the Holy Spirit is with us. There's some really important stuff here. He says he's with us and he's in us. Verse 17 tells us that he lives with us and in us. And what a promise, because I'm never alone. I don't have to wait for some physical manifestation, a body, to stand next to me to know that I'm not alone. I look at the story of, of Abraham. And we know that God visited Abraham, but he did it in a physical form. And he came once or twice. I get the joy. Jesus says, I'm going to give you my presence all the time. Wherever you go. Wherever you go, you can't get away from that. You know, I have to go someplace with Heidi to be there. But with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit goes with me wherever I go. I have to take her with me, typically. The Holy Spirit goes with me wherever I go. Verse 26 tells us that the Holy Spirit will teach us. That's one of the big fears that the disciples had. Who's going to direct us? Who's going to teach us? Who's going to show us? And Jesus says, my spirit, the Holy Spirit, will teach you. That's one of his promises. You are not left alone without a teacher, a guide. And those are just a few of the things that Jesus is, that the Holy Spirit is, will do for us. And Jesus says, you will never be an orphan in him. Anybody here ever experienced the loss of a parent? Huh, right? There's a, there's a moment where you feel, no matter how old you are, you feel a little bit orphaned, don't you? You feel a little bit alone. And Jesus says, no, no. In me, you're not an orphan. You've become a son and a daughter. That's exactly what he says. See, he's really trying to push this through to them, to the disciples, to you as disciples. 
you today, think of yourself. You are a disciple. You are a follower of Christ. He needs you to know that the Holy Spirit will be with you wherever you go. The Holy Spirit is not bound by this physical building. You can't just find him just in this building. You can find him in your car, in your basement, in your garden, while you're shoveling snow. Four times. You can find his Holy Spirit. He is there. He is with you. He's not bound by this place. So any of you who have that notion that you have to come here to find the holy presence of God, you are wrong. He is not bound by wood and forms. He can be at your desk. He can be at your breakfast table. He can be in your car because you're not alone. That's his promise. I love this. Here's what, what uh, Chuck Swindoll says. Because we're always looking for God to be like Abraham. You know, the angel shows up, talks to him, right? We need that physical manifestation. This is what Chuck Swindoll says in his book, Esther. He says, God not only moves in mysterious ways, he moves in mundane days. You know what the Holy Spirit allows us to do? Allows us to put these glasses on that we can see Jesus moving even in the mundane days. We can see him in the least of our tasks if we're looking for him, if we're, if we're active in his Holy Spirit. Just like Daniel 3, Jesus is with us. How many of you know the story of Daniel 3? Anybody just offhand, you know what Daniel 3 says? It's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So I want to read it to you this morning. We're going to pull it up here. But we see them not only saved and not alone, but we see people recognize that they're not alone. Here's what it says. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did. They, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see how many men? Four men, unbound, walking around in the fire, unharmed. And the fourth looks like a god. And then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace, the dumpster fire, and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. And I love this part. This, this, is, this is awesome. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did what? Stepped out of the fire. Ooh, that's strong stuff. What a picture. A promise literally standing in your proverbial dumpster fire. These dudes, it don't get any hotter. They're standing in the dumpster fire. And when Nebuchadnezzar looks in, he sees their God standing beside them. He says, you're not alone. You're not orphaned. I didn't let you get into the fire without me. And then if you look at it, it says they're unharmed. But he didn't say they didn't have to be in the fire. That's exactly what he said. When you live in Jesus, he lives in you, and you are never, ever alone in the dumpster fire. Some of you got to hear this, because some of you are sitting out there, I'm so alone. You are not. Some of you are saying, my life is a dumpster fire, and the flames are raging. And I can't, no one can get any closer. Let me tell you, the holy God 
says, I'll walk in there with you, and I'll make sure that you walk out on the other side. You will come out just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Finally, Jesus gives them another promise, and this is the one that ought to get you excited. Satan, the ruler of the world, has no power over Jesus. Let me tell you, that is all in capitals in my notes. Jesus set to quiet his disciples' fears. You are his disciples. He's sitting here today, and he is quieting your fears. And he's proclaiming the victory already. The disciples have been troubled by what Jesus was saying. They were going to be left alone. They were going to die. They were going to scatter. They were going to do all these things. Their expectations are blown out. They're expecting to storm the gates of Rome, take back the physical. And their ideas just got blown out the window. They're about to, eight hours later, be blown completely out the window. Much like us, we think life ought to go one way. We think it should go our way. Right? We think we should never have to step into the dumpster. Let me tell you, as having gotten to run a couple garbage routes in my life, if you will always have to get into the dumpster. At some point, you will always have to get into the dumpster. Hmm. Jesus answers two questions with that one statement, that Satan has no power over him. First, he's telling his disciples that they're going to see in just a few hours. They're going to see and they're going to physically experience separation. They're going to feel alone. They're going to feel bullied by the soldiers. They're going to feel like they're lacking victory by the earthly rulers. And Jesus says right straight up, you don't have any victory over me. He states earlier in John 18, or John 10, 18, he says, one can take my life from me, I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want and also to take it up again. This is what my Father has commanded. He says, I have authority to lay my life down. He says, I have authority over death, I have authority over the earth, I have authority over your garbage. We talked about that last week, right? All the stuff that gets on the feet. See, it's the same guy that washed your feet. He says, because I have authority over it. Because I have authority over every one of these situations. For those of you who are feeling today like, man, it is insurmountable. I am so dirty. I feel like I've been in the dumpster. I'm walking around here and I feel like I've been in the dumpster. And Jesus says, no, no. I have authority over that. I have the authority to wash you clean. Mm. See, he was setting the example by that statement for us. When we give control over the physical things of the world, the world can't control us because God has control. When we release control to Jesus to be our guide, listen to this, our guide and our guard. He talks about that in Exodus with the people of Israel. He was their guide and he was also their rear guard. But when we do that, he always gains the victory because no one can stop him and nobody, nobody can overcome him. Because he's in the front and he's in the back. You guys get that picture? See, when we see our jobs going sideways, some of you are going, well, how does that apply to me? Our jobs are going sideways. Maybe, I'm going to be really honest, 
Maybe inflation's hurting your budget a little bit. Maybe your marriage isn't as great as it ought to be right now. Or how you want it to be. Maybe your child's gone astray. But when we trust Jesus, there is no victory for the enemy. He says, I will overcome it. I will make a way. may not be your way, but it's his way. Because Satan has no power over him. Oh, and you just need you to hear that. Satan has no power over him. For those of us we're praying for this morning, we're sick and healing. Satan has no power. There is no power. His greatest threat is death. Let me tell you, as a Christian, you have power over death because of Jesus living in you. There is no threat. There is no power. He then gives them one last assurance that that, that power originates from God. Because see, there was still some unbelief in their minds in that moment. He said, no, no. God gave me the authority. God gave me his power. Jesus is telling them that when you're in him, you have harnessed the creator of the universe and his authority and his power. You have harnessed, you have standing in the power of Jehovah, God of all. Not God of a little, God of all. What did we talk about last week? Jesus said he was what? He says, I am. What was the question? I am. I am. I am victorious. I am all-powerful. I am your place when you don't feel like you have a place. I am your home. I am your father. I am your healer. There's no power physically or spiritually that can overcome the power of Jesus Christ. You have to rest assured that though you may be in the fire, and I promise you, you will step into some fires in this life. You are going to get in the dumpster. At some point, you will be in the dumpster. His promise stands true and amen that he will be standing there next to you. Right next to you and that he will call you out. I want to be clear, once again, for those of you who don't hear me. Your life will have a fire here and there. Somewhere down the road, there will be a dumpster that you will stand in, and it will be on fire. I'm not going to lie to you. But what I can promise you is that Jesus is standing right there beside you. And when we look in, we see the, we see the creator of the universe with his arm wrapped around you, saying, you are coming out. I will lead you out. I need you to hear that. Here's what James said about the dumpster fire. He says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Sometimes, guys, we need the dumpster fire so we can get where God is trying to take us. If we notice back to our story, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't just say, come out. He proclaims God of the universe, servants of the Most High. He recognizes who God is in the middle of the fire. 
That's exactly what happens. Like our friends a little earlier. They needed it. Paul needed to go blind. Paul needed to go blind to become the apostle who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Peter needed his crisis. He needed that moment when the rooster crowed to become the leader of the church. Sometimes we need that. When we get in the fire, embrace the one who stands with us because he cannot be overcome. So for those of you who feel like you are overcome today, I'm here to tell you the good news. That you have victory because you can stand in Jesus. You are not alone and there is a place for you. So, Larray, if you want to come up and play, I'm just going to wrap it up. Because I want you to get this in your heart. You belong to Jesus today. Your home is in him. When you feel like you don't have a home or a place, your home is in him because he makes his home in your heart. When we accept him. You are not alone because Jesus left his Holy Spirit to live in you and be with you. And finally, Satan has no power over us because he has no power over Jesus because we stand in, his, in him. The fire cannot touch you, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You will stand in the furnace, but the fire cannot touch you. Hmm, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. So, last week I told you I didn't have a call to action. This week I have a call to action. It's very clear. Very clear. So, I'm going to ask our prayer team, anyone who's on our prayer team, to come forward. Um, but I'm going to ask for a couple of things here. Um, prayer team, I, I don't, you can look around because I want this to be honest. But, Everyone else, close your, close your eyes, bow your head. If you feel today alone and you feel abandoned in this world and you need a personal savior, if you say, I am so alone, I need a place to belong, and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ or you need to re-give your life to Jesus, I just ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, don't be ashamed, don't be afraid. Man, we all need somebody at some time. But if that's you and you need, you need to accept Jesus into your heart because you need a home today, raise your hand. Yeah. yeah, I see that hand. Secondly, some of you just say right now, I don't know my place. And I just feel abandoned. I feel like the world's abandoned me. I feel like my friends have abandoned me. My family's abandoned me. And I just don't know where to go. If that's you, just raise your hand. It's okay. And thirdly, there still might be some of you out there in this place who says, I'm in the fire. I'm standing in the dumpster right now, Pastor, and I need somebody to stand with me. I need a father. I need a friend who will help me endure the flames and come out of the fire. That's you. Just raise your hand. If you are going through the fire right now, if you are in a rough spot and you just need somebody to agree with you, raise your hand. That's okay. I see the hand. I see it. 